Pierre McNamara from Hawaii. Just like to surf big waves. In Nazareth, you really never know what you're gonna get. It's so bizarre, and it's like you take Jaws, you take Porto Escondido, and you take Wyoming Shore Break, and then put them on steroids all together, and then you got Nazareth. I knew it was gonna be the biggest wave I've ever rode, and I knew what I was getting myself into. I've been preparing for it for years. It's just a eighth wonder of the world. When it comes to big waves, it's, I found the holy grail. Sometimes I look at it and go, it's not that big at all, and then other times I look at it and go, wow. When you're in the water looking at this wave, it's a lot bigger than it has been photographed. The main part of the wave where it was really big, you can't even see it. The picture that went around the world, that was the end of the wave when it was kicking out. It's half as big as what it was in the beginning. It's really weird because it like, took off and kind of was trying to find where it was going to break and it broke right at the top, but then this wave went for like forever. And then it kind of backed off and then it, it went into the inside and started to break again and that's where I kicked out. When I'm in the ocean, I really am totally comfortable and when you're riding waves or in any situation in life, if you're in the moment, then you're really connected to what's going on. And I, I usually just deal with the situations they come and actually really enjoy the situations, whether it's getting sucked over by an 80-foot wave or, or uh, you know, going in to pick up my friend in a really dangerous spot. Um, just deal with it. People uh, have to come see for themselves. I was gonna uh, show a video my daughter took of me body surfing at Del Mar to prove this point, but it wasn't quite as dramatic. Um, welcome everybody, I'm Marcus, one of the pastors here on staff at NVC. Stoked to have you guys here today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks for the SEA crew in the corner. Yeah, rolling deep. All right, thanks guys. All right, thank you guys online as well if you're joining us. I'm excited to share God's word today. Um, really thrilled to, to, to wrap up this series the not-so-superhero series. So this series has been really cool. We've been taking some characters in the Bible, right, that are, are, that are not-so-superheroes. Not so much as that they, don't, they weren't effective, but they were kind of minor roles with huge, huge results, right? We know the Bible is filled with people that, uh, that we know and we sang about as kids in Sunday school, Father Abraham and the disciples and you name it, all the major characters. But the series has been great because it's highlighted some characters maybe that, that most people aren't aware of. And maybe some characters that we can identify with a little bit more. And I love, I love today's character. It reminds me a lot about Garrett. You know, Garrett, this guy, he is a surfer, obviously, and he had to hear about this wave, this 100-foot wave going on. But he did more than just kind of like hear what was happening, right? He was, he was, he was uh, inspired enough, right? He was bold enough, right? He was um, uh, strong enough, whatever, resolute enough to go after it. And so this message today reminds me, and our character today reminds me of this person here. But I love the last words that he said. And I want to keep this in mind throughout the whole message. The last words that he said in this video, 
people have to come see for themselves. People have to come see for themselves. So keep that in mind as we develop today's message. And today's message is going to be on the Queen of Sheba or the Queen of the South. The Queen of Sheba, the Queen of the South. We're going to give some ladies some love in this not-so-superhero series. We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 10. And her superhero name would be Intrepid Woman. Intrepid means bold, means brave. And her superhero power, not-so-superhero power, right, is going to be boldness. And we're going to see that in her today. Let's go straight to the message. 1 Kings chapter 10. Come along with me and read this. When the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. She said to the king, the report I have heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half what was told to me in wisdom and in wealth you have far exceed the report I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually to stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be the Lord your God who has delighted in you, placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. So let me just set the, 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 the tone right now, what's going on. Some amazing things are going on in Israel right now underneath the leadership of King Solomon. Uh, just world history-wise, we're about 1,000 B.C. Are you, are you guys with me? Now, that's not the specific date, but just the general date of where this is going on. King Solomon, of course, is the third king of the people of Israel. Before that time, God spoke to the people of Israel and led them through prophets, through priests, right? Now, there's a third king, the second king being King David, who was Solomon's father. King David, as we know, as God describes him, was a man after God's own heart. I love the description that God has for David. It gives you an idea of a great man, a great warrior, a man after God's own heart. Heart. Man, that's awesome. Especially juxtaposed to what we know of him in the Bible. Especially knowing how flawed he was. Right? So his dad, King David, the mother of Solomon was Bathsheba. Very interesting. Very interesting through that illicit relationship that David had with Bathsheba, that he indeed committed adultery, that he indeed also was guilty of murder by sending her husband home when he slept with her. And he came home and the husband didn't want to sleep with her because he knew there was a chance she was pregnant. So what does David do? He puts, her, he puts him on the front lines. 
knowing good and well when you place a warrior on the front lines what's going to happen and of course that happens he dies Bathsheba's left with child the child is born the child dies David uh, Solomon's younger brother before Solomon was born right dies well of course we know it doesn't end there David repents David repents and then this through his relationship with Bathsheba who he marries the next birth between them was King Solomon, a great, great story. So King Solomon, of course, we know, famously asked the Lord for wisdom when God came to them and he asked them, what is it that you want to leave my people? And God gave him wisdom and blessed them way beyond that. So we're in this season right now under King Solomon's wisdom, under King Solomon's rule. King Solomon had, had, had control in Israel of the trade routes. And so that controlled the resources, that controlled the riches, that controlled the goods and services. King Solomon uh, had some very strategic relationships. He had 700 wives, not that the Bible uh, recommended this, it's just reporting what he did. Uh, as a husband, I'm going to recommend don't have 700 wives, just from me to you, a little extra bonus, right? <laughs> Put a star by that one. One wife, one wife. So he had great strategic relationships. He had great resources. And then under his leadership, Israel went from this obscure group of families that were odd and then were slaves. And then, and then for hundreds of years were subjugated underneath Egyptian rule to now fast forward they are basically the power of the world. They are basically the richest, the wisest, the strongest nation in the world under King Solomon's leadership. So he's accomplishing great things. And it was so great. It was so great that we see that the word, went, the word of Solomon's reign went throughout the world. Let's take a look at verse 1 right here. When the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon, little footnote here, listen to this, and his relationship to the Lord. She came to test Solomon with hard questions. So she had heard not only the great things that were going on, but I love this. She heard about his relationship with the Lord. Wow, that that would be us. Wow, that that could be me. That my relationship with God, people would be aware of it. That people would speak of it. That it would impact people. That people would see that my relationship with God, right, would inspire them. Hopefully that that, that would be us. That your relationship with God, your behavior with God, that you being set aside, you being set aside wholly for the Lord, that people would recognize it. And it would compel them, that would indeed draw them. To get to know the Lord. Well, this is with King Solomon. Not only with his riches, not only with his relationships, not only with his power, but what compelled her, what she had heard about her, his relationship with the Lord. God was doing phenomenal, phenomenal things during that time. So let's take a look at a picture that can help us kind of understand how phenomenal things were. Let's take a look at this. So let this be 
kind of a microcosm or a metaphor or symbolic of what God was doing in the time of Israel by looking at what God was doing in the temple. Let's remember that the Israelites, right, were once, right, Israel and his 12 sons, right, and Joseph, and, 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 and how he, he got taken captive, right? And, and Israel was basically this little family. Then eventually that family, right, moves to Egypt, become slaves. That's God's people. Now, hundreds of years later, here we are. Take a look at this here. Israel's first temple. As we know before this, 40 years in the desert, hundreds of years ago. 40 years wandering in the desert. And now look where they are. First temple. David wanted to build, but God forbid it. Building began around 490 years post-Egypt. So just to give an idea where we are. Temple site was on Mount Moriah. Here's what's very important about this point right here. If we go back to before Israel was Israel, we know Father Abraham had many sons, had many sons, had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. So we have Abraham, before Israel existed, being obedient to God. And when God asked him to sacrifice his son, he takes him to Mount Moriah. So this place is a special, special place for God's people. This place is a special place for God. And that's where this temple is being built. It was built with great stones, cedar beams, overlaid with gold. So inside, you guys, not only was the wood ultra-valuable, not only were all the things they built it with were incredibly valuable, but in order to make the point of how good God is and how big God is, everything internally was covered in gold. It's a big deal. Uh, cost today would be about $6 billion. It's big stuff going on. So much that the world had heard. Have you guys heard what's going on in Jerusalem? Have you guys seen that temple? Have you guys heard of Solomon's wisdom? But there was nothing you can bring to him that he can't figure out. So it starts bubbling and just overflowing to all the world at this time. And now enter in. The Queen of Sheba. The first point I want to make of this message is very simple. We have to recognize what God is doing. Can I hear amen? Right? She, she, she recognized it. That's the first step, guys. The first step is recognize that God is doing something special. Now, often what God is doing is tethered to a geography. Often it's like he's chosen this place and in that area of the states or this nation or this, this, this city, God is doing special. And often throughout world history, you will see people flock to that city to be a part because God's just doing something there. Often it's also attached to a ministry or a man, right, where, where God through this person, through this vessel, right, there's all kinds of revolution happening. There's all kinds of just amazing things going on, and that happens. We need to be aware of what God is doing. 
God is doing something special here, too. God is doing something special here. Lives are being saved. People are committing their lives to the Lord. People are being baptized. Lives are changing, right? Worship, if you can feel it on Sundays, it's kind of bloop, 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 bubbling, right? Where people are like responding, right? We have to be aware of what God is doing. Here's the thing, though. Often it's attached to external things, but often also it's what God's doing inside. Can I hear amen? So we've got to recognize that. What's God doing in your life? Where's God moving? Where is he stirring your heart? Where is he showing your gifting? Where is he giving you passion? Where is he reigniting some passion? And we have to be aware of that. We have to recognize, God, you're doing something. She recognized that God was doing something. And that's the first step is that we need to recognize what God is doing. Sometimes it's external. Oftentimes it's internal. Let's take a look at verses 6 and 7. She said to the king, the report I heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true, but I did not believe these things until I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half what was told to me in wisdom and wealth you have far exceeded the report that I have. So first she recognized, then she responded. Everybody say respond. Every say respond. We re recognize what God is doing and then we respond to what God is doing. So she had a choice. She had a choice. Keep in mind, she is a queen. She is a queen. She is royalty. She could have sent her servants. She could have said, well, far be it from me as a queen, as royalty, to go submit to that, right? We can't let our pride we can't let who we think we are. We can't who, let who the world thinks we are. We can't let our perspective of who we are, what the world says we are, keep us from pursuing the things of God. She recognized and she responded. She could have responded in three ways. Likewise, all of us can respond in three ways. One, we can stay stagnant. Wow. God is really doing something in worship here. Man, look at what's going on with the youth. Look at the, look at the people lifting the voices. Look at people responding and we can like, you are good, good. Oh, you are good, good. Oh, yeah. All right. Or another way we can respond is to retreat. Kind of weird those people singing. Kind of weird that those people changing their lives, getting baptized and celebrating. I'd rather be somewhere where I'm not as challenged as much. I'd rather be somewhere where, you know what, I don't feel uncomfortable and retreat. Right? Or we can do the third thing, which I love what she did when she responded to God. She made her way towards God. The spark God's putting in my heart. I need to. I need to pursue that. Look what God's doing in, in 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 church. I need to pursue that. Look what God's doing in ministry. Look what God's doing with it, with my desires or my skill set or my gifts or my aptitude. He's growing it and opening doors. And you know what? Make your way towards that. She didn't stay there. Now, there's two places basically where she could have come from where Bible scholars 
agree upon. If we could see the next slide here. So Israel is up yonder, right underneath Lebanon, the Mediterranean Sea. We see little, little Israel and Jerusalem. Way down here, we see Ethiopia and Yemen. Both went by the name of Cush. That when the Bible translated, it said she was from Cush. Are you guys following me? That was only two, one of two places. Either Ethiopia here or Yemen there. Most biblical scholars, most experts tend to agree that it was from Ethiopia. So do I for several reasons. But either way, we can see there's a far distance from where she was as a queen to little Israel. Let me kind of put this in perspective for us. From Ethiopia to Jerusalem, driving distance, a mere 2,600 miles. Keep in mind what she took there, a caravan of gold, of spices, of all these things she brought, 2,600 miles. Keep in mind she was royalty. She didn't have to do that. She didn't have to rearrange her life in order to pursue and get close and recognize and respond to what God is doing. It's 83 hours of driving if you're driving 30 miles an hour, 12 hours a day in the car would take you seven days to get there in a vehicle. Let me ask this question to us. It's a rhetorical question, but take it to heart. How far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to go to respond to what God is doing? She did not see that distance as an issue. She did not consider that distance to be too far for her to go. I know God is doing something special there. I know it's amazing. I know I need to get closer to that, but my gosh. Too thousand miles on camelback then I gotta have security I gotta provide for all the security that's coming because I'm bringing about about 500 million dollars worth of stuff or I'm sorry it was about 50 million dollars about 50 million dollars worth of things she's bringing so I need security it's going to be uncomfortable because I had to go through the desert so all these reasons she could have told herself not to pursue and be in the presence of what God is doing fell to the wayside because she wanted to be a part of that. My encouragement to us is let not distance, let not something difficult be a reason that we don't pursue God. Be a reason that we don't move towards him. Let's take a look at this verse. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold, large quantities of spices and precious stones. Never again were so many spices brought in the house of the queen of Sheba gave to King Solomon. A little side note here. 
if you don't like spices on your food, we may need to pray for you. <laughs> because it's very biblical to like spicy food, guys. I'm just saying. Just add a little, just put some stuff on the food. It pleases the Lord and it pleases me. So she brings a lot of stuff, a lot of valuable things. Here's my next question. How much are we willing to give up? What are we willing to give up in order to be where God is? What are we willing to give up in order to go where God wants us? Now, she gave up a lot of resources, a lot of finances, and part of obeying the Lord, part of trusting the Lord, of course, are financial things, of course, tithing, giving above, beyond that. And maybe that's where the message is hitting you today. But more importantly, even that, what are you willing to give up inside of you? Is there some pride that keeps you from it? Are there some addictions? Are there some behaviors? Are there some relationships? You guys following me? So imagine as she's presenting these things to King Solomon, not only the monetary value, but imagine these things, it's us, we're presenting to the Lord, sure, tithes and offerings, yeah, I'm going to do that. But imagine it's your pride you're laying at God's feet. Imagine it's your broken relationships you're laying at God's feet. Imagine it's these addictions that you're giving to the Lord. But the big question is, guys, what are we willing to give up in order to pursue God? She had riches that she gave up, and she gave up a lot. So we see first that we've got to recognize. Everybody say recognize. Second, we see that we've got to respond. Everybody say respond. I like this third one here. Uh, let's go to verse 13. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she des desired and asked for besides what he had given her out of his royal bounty. Then she left and returned with her retinue to her own country. A retinue is a group of people, of advisors, security, helpers, wisdom, right? So she was her posse, right? She was rolling deep. She was rolling deep, guys. That's what it's saying. So she went back to her land, most believe Ethiopia. And she... Our last point here is we need to report what God is doing. Every say report. First we recognize, okay, God's doing something. It's amazing inside me. Let me chase it. Maybe at church, right, maybe at, at school there's some ministries getting involved. Maybe there's this group of friends that are godly, right. Well, God's doing something. So she recognized it and then she responded by walking towards it, by heading towards it, not letting distance be an issue, not letting cost be an issue. And then she reported it. This is how we know that she reported it. I think it's really, really cool. Matthew 12, 42. Follow me here. Follow me here. The biblical Old Testament story ends right there that she went back. Right? But we can connect the dots by what Jesus says, and let's imagine what happened for this to be true. Jesus tells us this, the queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon. Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. 
Okay, so this tells us that the queen of the south, that Queen Sheba, went, came from the ends of the earth, right? We saw that map thousands of miles away to come here from King Solomon. And now, as a result, she is going to rise at the judgment of this generation. So I don't want to go too deep into the nuances of that, of that verse. Are you guys with me? This is what I want us to understand. That's a big deal. Right? That, that she's this queen, this obscure figure in, in, the, in the Bible that we just know went, left some stuff, goes back. Oh, my gosh, she must have done something significant. And we're going to see here in a little bit another thing that connects the dots that I think is really cool. But I was watching TV the other day, you know, um, Channel 10, I think it was. Um, you turn on the news and you see the lovely and talented Pastor DJ Iverson on the news. On the rooftop. Guess what they were doing? Reporting. Guess what they were reporting? Things going on here, what God is doing here. How cool is it that our local media are hearing the bubbles, are seeing the things, are hearing the reports of how God uses in his ministry, Right, how God's using the events, you know, what's going on in here. To report the San Diego to 3 million people. Man, if the news are willing to report what God is doing, how much more us should we be willing to report what God is doing? Here's my encouragement. Facebook's awesome. But it's not going to be strategic Facebook campaigns that fills this place. Instagram, it's not going to be a TikTok dance that, hopefully it's not a TikTok dance that fills this place. <laughs> Please, Lord, let it not be a TikTok dance that fills this place. Thank you. Thank you, sister. You know, the best thing we can do is go report. Go tell people about Jesus. Go tell people about what God is doing in your life. Go tell people what God is doing in this ministry. Go tell people about what God is doing in your family. Report. It pleases him. And we, people need to hear that. I like this here. Let's take a look at this flag here. It's the flag of Ethiopia. If you're a believer, you should notice two things about that flag of Ethiopia. You should notice a lion. Well, three things. That crown. And that cross. Don't notice that he needs a pedicure. That's beside the point, guys. That's the fourth thing. Don't you find it interesting that Ethiopia was one of the first nations in the world to officially adopt Christianity, to be a Christian nation? Ethiopia? Do you find it interesting that God would take Queen Sheba, this obscure character, and say, you, my dear, are going to sit in judgment over this generation? Can you imagine what happened when she went back? And she told these people about the great King Solomon. She told these people about this man that had this relationship with God, and they're listening and saying, there's one God. 
and she told him about the temple, how amazing the temple was and, and filled with gold inside and all these levels and layers. And she said, in the holies of holies, and they're just listening. And in the holies of holies, there's this one room, guys, where there's the Ark of the Covenant. And people believe today that the Ark of Covenant is in Ethiopia. Do I believe that? I'm not preaching it. I'm just saying it's very interesting. And if you take a look at the history of their people, there's a lot of good information that would lead people to go, oh, I can see why people believe that, side note. I mean, I'm saying it's there. Okay. It's in Mexico. <laughs> right behind a little street taco spot along the way. Trust me, it's awesome. And she's telling the people the story. You, you go into this temple and, and in the last spot is this holies of holies where, where one man, the high priest, one time, once a year goes there after making sacrifices for sins and shedding blood. And because that blood was shed, he'd go to the people and they're listening to this. And there's forgiveness of sins. Not knowing that she was pointing everybody to Jesus. Hopefully we're inspired by the Queen of Sheba. And let me leave you with the last words that Jesus spoke before ascending into heaven. Matthew 28, 16 through 20 says this. We know it's at, it at a great commission. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. God wants us to help grow his kingdom. God wants to use us to help grow his kingdom. You, 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 me, you, you. Imagine how the voice of that one person changed a whole nation and beyond. So let's make sure, you guys, that we recognize, make sure that we respond, let's make sure that we report what God is doing. We want to take this time to move into communion. And during this time, I just encourage you to, those that have given their lives to the Lord, those that have committed their lives to the Lord, to take this time to reflect upon his goodness, maybe upon how this word applies to your life, maybe upon the great things he's done for you. So as we take the, the, the cup and as we take the bread, let's make sure we never forget about that ultimate sacrifice that Jesus did for us. Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for your word. I thank you for something that happened 3,000 years ago, Lord, how it's applicable today and how even today people are benefiting from the Queen of Sheba, recognizing, responding, and reporting, Lord. And I pray that we would be a generation, that we would be a people, that we would be a church, that we would be a community, Lord, that you use to go and make disciples, Lord, for your glory. So as we spend time with the bread and the cup contemplating your goodness, Lord, I pray that we would be challenged, willing to see this example and be willing to be used by you.
as we commit to serving you.